0: story nineteen of strictly business more stories of the four million by o henry this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by warren cotty gurney illinois story nineteen the proof of the pudding spring winked a vitreous optic at editor westbrook of the minerva magazine and deflected him from his course he had lunched at his favorite corner of a broadway hotel and was returning to his office when his feet became entangled in the lure of the vernal coquette which is by way of saying that he turned eastward in twenty-sixth street safely forded the spring freshet of vehicles in fifth avenue and meandered along the walks of budding madison square the lenient air and the settings of the little park almost formed a pastoral the color motif was green the presiding shade at the creation of man and vegetation the callow grass between the walks was the color of verdigris a poisonous green reminiscent of the horde of derelict humans that had breathed upon the soil during the summer and autumn the bursting tree-buds looked strangely familiar to those who had botanized among the garnishings of the fish-course of a forty-cent dinner the sky above was of that pale aquamarine tint that ballroom poets rhyme with true and sue and coo the one natural and frank color visible was the ostensible green of the newly painted benches a shade between the color of a pickled cucumber and that of a last year's fast-black cravenette raincoat. But to the city-bred eye of editor Westbrook, the landscape appeared a masterpiece. And now, whether you are of those who rush in, or of the gentle concourse that fears to tread, you must follow in a brief invasion of the editor's mind. Editor Westbrook's spirit was contented and serene. The April number of the Minerva had sold its entire edition before the tenth day of the month. A news dealer in Keokuk had written that he could have sold fifty copies more if he had em. The owners of the magazine had raised his, the editor's salary. He had just installed in his home a jewel of a recently imported cook who was afraid of policemen, and the morning papers had published in full a speech he had made at a publisher's banquet. Also, there were echoing in his mind the jubilant notes of a splendid song that his charming young wife had sung to him before he left his uptown apartment that morning. She was taking enthusiastic interest in her music of late, practicing early and diligently when he had complimented her on the improvement in her voice she had fairly hugged him for joy at his praise he felt too the benign tonic medicament of the trained nurse spring tripping softly adown the wards of the convalescent city while editor westbrook was sauntering between the rows of park benches already filling with vagrants and the guardians of lawless childhood he felt his sleeve grasped and held suspecting that he was about to be panhandled he turned a cold and unprofitable face and saw that his captor was daw shackelford daw dingy almost ragged the genteel scarcely visible in him through the deeper lines of the shabby while the editor is pulling himself out of his surprise a flashlight biography of daw is offered he was a fiction writer and one of westbrook's old acquaintances at one time they might have called each other old friends daw had some money in those days and lived in a decent apartment house near westbrook's the two families often went to theatres and dinners together mrs daw and mrs westbrook became dearest friends then one day a little tentacle of the octopus, just to amuse itself, ingurgitated Daw's capital, and he moved to the Gramercy Park neighborhood, where one, for a few groats per week, may sit upon one's trunk under eight branched chandeliers and opposite Carrara marble mantels and watch the mice play upon the floor. Daw thought to live by writing fiction. Now and then he sold a story he submitted many to Westbrook. The Minerva printed one or two of them. The rest were returned. Westbrook sent a careful and conscientious personal letter with each rejected manuscript, pointing out in detail his reasons for considering it unavailable. Editor Westbrook had his own clear conception of what constituted good fiction. So had Daw. Mrs. Daw was mainly concerned about the constituents of the scanty dishes of food that she managed to scrape together. One day, Daw had been spouting to her about the excellencies of certain French writers. At dinner, they sat down to a dish that a hungry schoolboy could have encompassed at a gulp. Daw commented, "It's ma passante hash," said Mrs. Daw. "It may not be art." but I do wish you would do a five-course Marion Crawford cereal with an Ella Wheeler Wilcox sonnet for dessert. I'm hungry. As far as this from success was Shackelford Daw when he plucked editor Westbrook's sleeve in Madison Square. That was the first time the editor had seen Daw in several months. Why, Shack, is this you? said Westbrook, somewhat awkwardly for the form of his phrase seemed to touch upon the other's changed appearance. "'Sit down for a minute,' said Daw, tugging at his sleeve. "'This is my office. I can't come to yours looking as I do. "'Oh, sit down, you won't be disgraced. "'Those half-plucked birds on the other benches "'will take you for a swell porch-climber. "'They won't know you are only an editor.' "'Smoke-shack?' said Editor Westbrook sinking cautiously upon the virulent green bench he always yielded gracefully when he did yield daw snapped at the cigar as a kingfisher darts at a sun perch or a girl pecks at a chocolate cream i have just began the editor oh i know don't finish said daw give me a match you have just ten minutes to spare how did you manage to get past my office boy and invade my sanctum there he goes now, throwing his club at a dog that couldn't read the keep-off-the-grass signs. How goes the writing? asked the editor. Look at me, said Daw, for your answer. Now don't put on that embarrassed, friendly-but-honest look and ask me why I don't get a job as a wine agent or a cab driver. I'm in the fight to a finish. I know I can write good fiction, and I'll force you fellows to admit it yet. I'll make you change the spelling of regrets to c h e q u e before i'm done with you editor westbrook gazed through his nose-glasses with a sweetly sorrowful omniscient sympathetic sceptical expression the copyrighted expression of the editor beleaguered by the unavailable contributor have you read the last story i sent you the alarum of the soul asked daw carefully I hesitated over that story, Shack. Really, I did. It had some good points. I was writing you a letter to send with it when it goes back to you. I regret-never mind the regrets, said Daw grimly. There's neither salve nor sting in them any more. What I want to know is why. Come now, out with the good points first. The story, said Westbrook deliberately, after a suppressed sigh. Is written around an almost original plot. Characterization, the best you've done. Construction, almost as good, except for a few weak joints, which might be strengthened by a few changes and touches. It was a good story, except. I can write English, can't I? interrupted Daw. I have always told you, said the editor, that you had a style. Then the trouble is, same old thing said editor westbrook you work up to your climax like an artist and then you turn yourself into a photographer i don't know what form of obstinate madness possesses you but that is what you do with everything that you write no i will retract the comparison with the photographer now and then photography in spite of its impossible perspective manages to record a fleeting glimpse of truth but you spoil every denouement by those flat drab obliterating strokes of your brush that i have so often complained of if you would rise to the literary pinnacle of your dramatic senses and paint them in the high colors that art requires the postman would leave fewer bulky self-addressed envelopes at your door oh fiddles and footlights cried Daw derisively you've got that old sawmill drama kink in your brain yet when the man with the black moustache kidnaps golden-haired bessie you are bound to have the mother kneel and raise her hands in the spotlight and say may high heaven witness that i will rest neither night nor day till the heartless villain that has stolen me child feels the weight of another's vengeance editor westbrook conceded a smile of impervious complacency i think said he that in real life the woman would express herself in those words or in very similar ones not in a six hundred nights run anywhere but on the stage said Daw hotly i'll tell you what she'd say in real life she'd say what bessie led away by a strange man good lord it's one trouble after another get my other hat i must hurry around to the police station why wasn't somebody looking after her i'd like to know for god's sake get out of my way or i'll never get ready not that hat the brown one with the velvet bows bessie must have been crazy she's usually shy of strangers is that too much powder lordy how i'm upset that's the way she'd talk continued daw people in real life don't fly into heroics in blank verse at emotional crises they simply can't do it if they talk at all on such occasions they draw from the same vocabulary that they use every day "'and muddle up their words and ideas a little more. "'That's all.' "'Shack,' said editor Westbrook impressively, "'did you ever pick up the mangled and lifeless form of a child "'from under the fender of a streetcar, "'and carry it in your arms and lay it down before the distracted mother? "'Did you ever do that and listen to the words of grief and despair "'as they flowed spontaneously from her lips?' "'I never did,' said Daw. "'Did you?' "'Well, no.' Said Editor Westbrook with a slight frown. But I can well imagine what she would say. So can I, said Daw. And now the fitting time had come for Editor Westbrook to play the oracle and silence his opinionated contributor. It was not for an unarrived fictionist to dictate words to be uttered by the heroes and heroines of the Minerva magazine, contrary to the theories of the editor thereof. My dear Shack, said he if i know anything of life i know that every sudden deep and tragic emotion in the human heart calls forth an apposite concordant conformable and proportionate expression of feeling how much of this inevitable accord between expression and feeling should be attributed to nature and how much to the influence of art it would be difficult to say the sublimely terrible roar of the lioness that has been deprived of her cubs is dramatically as far above her customary whine and purr as the kingly and transcendent utterances of lear are above the level of his senile vaporings but it is also true that all men and women have what may be called a subconscious dramatic sense that is awakened by a sufficiently deep and powerful emotion a sense unconsciously acquired from literature and the stage that prompts them to express those emotions in language befitting their importance and histrionic value and in the name of the seven sacred saddle blankets of sagittarius where did the stage and literature get the stunt asked daw from life answered the editor triumphantly the story writer rose from the bench and gesticulated eloquently but dumbly he was beggared for words with which to formulate adequately his dissent on a bench nearby, a frowsy loafer opened his red eyes and perceived that his moral support was due a downtrodden brother punch him one jack he called hoarsely to daw what's he come making a noise like a penny arcade for amongst gentlemen that comes in the square to set and think Editor Westbrook looked at his watch with an affected show of leisure. Tell me, asked Daw, with truculent anxiety, what especial faults in the alarm of the soul caused you to throw it down? When Gabriel Murray, said Westbrook, goes to his telephone and is told that his fiancee has been shot by a burglar, he says, I do not recall the exact words, but I do, said Daw. He says damn central she always cuts me off and then to his friend say tommy does a thirty-two bullet make a big hole it's kind of hard luck ain't it could you get me a drink from the sideboard tommy no straight nothing on the side and again continued the editor without pausing for argument when Bernice opens the letter from her husband informing her that he has fled with the manicure girl her words are let me see she says interposed the author well what do you think of that absurdly inappropriate words said westbrook presenting an anticlimax plunging the story into hopeless bathos worse yet they mirror life falsely no human being ever uttered bono colloquialisms when confronted by sudden tragedy wrong said daw closing his unshaven jaws doggedly "'I say no man or woman ever spouts highfalutin' talk. "'When they go up against a real climax, "'they talk naturally, and a little worse.' "'The editor rose from the bench "'with his air of indulgence and inside information. "'Say, Westbrook,' said Daw, pinning him by the lapel, "'would you have accepted the alarm of the soul "'if you had believed that the actions and words of the characters were true to life in the parts of the story that we discussed. It is very likely that I would, if I believed that way, said the editor, but I have explained to you that I do not. If I could prove to you that I am right? I'm sorry, Shack, but I'm afraid I haven't time to argue any further just now. I don't want to argue, said Daw. I want to demonstrate to you from life itself that my view is the correct one how could you do that asked westbrook in a surprised tone listen said the writer seriously i have thought of a way it is important to me that my theory of true-to-life fiction be recognized as correct by the magazines i've fought for it for three years and am down to my last dollar with two months rent due i have applied the opposite of your theory said the editor in selecting the fiction for the minerva magazine the circulation has gone up from ninety thousand to four hundred thousand said daw whereas it should have been boosted to a million you said something to me just now about demonstrating your pet theory i will if you give me about half an hour of your time i'll prove to you that i am right i'll prove it by louise your wife exclaimed westbrook how "'Well, not exactly by her, but with her,' said Daw. "'Now, you know how devoted and loving Louise has always been. "'She thinks I'm the only genuine preparation on the market "'that bears the old doctor's signature. "'She's been fonder and more faithful than ever "'since I've been cast for the neglected genius part.' "'Indeed, she is a charming and admirable life companion,' "'agreed the editor.' i remember what inseparable friends she and mrs westbrook once were we are both lucky chaps shack to have such wives you must bring mrs daw up some evening soon and we'll have one of those informal chafing-dish suppers that we used to enjoy so much later said daw when i get another shirt and now i'll tell you my scheme when i was about to leave home after breakfast if you can call tea and oatmeal breakfast louise told me she was going to visit her aunt in eighty-ninth street she said she would return at three o'clock she was always on time to a minute it is now daw glanced toward the editor's watch pocket twenty-seven minutes to three said westbrook scanning his timepiece we have just enough time said daw we will go to my flat at once i will write a note address it to her and leave it on the table where she will see it as she enters the door you and i will be in the dining-room concealed by the portieres in that note i'll say that i have fled from her forever with an affinity who understands the needs of my artistic soul as she never did when she reads it we will observe her actions and hear her words then we will know which theory is the correct one yours or mine oh never "'exclaimed the editor, shaking his head. "'That would be inexcusably cruel. "'I could not consent to have Mrs. Dawes' feelings "'played upon in such a manner.' "'Brace up,' said the writer. "'I guess I think as much of her as you do. "'It's for her benefit as well as mine. "'I've got to get a market for my stories in some way. "'It won't hurt Louise. "'She's healthy and sound. "'Her heart goes as strong as a ninety-eight-cent watch.' it'll last for only a minute and then i'll step out and explain to her you really owe it to me to give me a chance westbrook editor westbrook at length yielded though but half willingly and in the half of him that consented lurked the vivisectionist that is in all of us let him who has not used the scalpel rise and stand in his place pity tis that there are not enough rabbits and guinea-pigs to go around the two experimenters in art left the square and hurried eastward and then to the south until they arrived in the gramercy neighborhood within its high iron railings the little park had put on its smart coat of vernal green and was admiring itself in its fountain mirror outside the railings the hollow square of crumbling houses shells of a bygone gentry leaned as if in ghostly gossip over the forgotten doings of the vanished quality sic transit gloria urbis a block or two north of the park daw steered the editor again eastward then after covering a short distance into a lofty but narrow flat-house burdened with a floridly over-decorated façade to the fifth story they toiled and daw panting pushed his latch-key into the door of one of the front flats when the door opened editor westbrook saw with feelings of pity how meanly and meagerly the rooms were furnished get a chair if you can find one said daw while i hunt up pen and ink "Hello, what's this here's a note from louise she must have left it there when she went out this morning he picked up an envelope that lay on the center table and tore it open he began to read the letter that he drew out of it and once having begun it aloud he so read it through to the end these are the words that editor westbrook heard dear shackelford by the time you get this i will be about a hundred miles away and still a-going i've got a place in the chorus of the occidental opera company and we start on the road today at 12 o'clock. I didn't want to starve to death, and so I decided to make my own living. I'm not coming back. Mrs. Westbrook is going with me. She said she was tired of living with a combination phonograph, iceberg, and dictionary, and she's not coming back either. We've been practicing the songs and dances for two months on the quiet. I hope you will be successful and get along all right, Goodbye, Louise. Daw dropped the letter, covered his face with his trembling hands, and cried out in a deep, vibrating voice My God, why hast thou given me this cup to drink? Since she is false, then let thy heaven's fairest gifts, faith and love, become the jesting bywords of traitors and fiends. Editor Westbrook's glasses fell to the floor. The fingers of one hand fumbled with a button on his coat as he blurted between his pale lips, Say, Shack, ain't that a hell of a note? Wouldn't that knock you off your perch, Shack? Ain't it hell now, Shack? Ain't it? End of story nineteen The Proof of the Pudding.